My guest today is Arthur Geese. He's here to talk about his review of Battlefield 1. My name is Justin McElroy, and you're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Hi, Arthur. Hi, Justin. Um, I am. I, I got to admit, uh, the reviews for Battlefield 1 kind of took me by surprise. I read yours first, of course. You're the authority on oh, all gosh. video games as far as I'm concerned. Arthur first. That's what I say. Yeah. Well, you and me both. Ar yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, this is the, the, the sort of line from your review that sort of made me sit up and take notice. Uh, I'm somebody who has always preferred to like, I love the slam bam, you know, uh, roller coaster that is the modern military first person shooter single player campaign. Sure. Um, and so that's always the starting place for me. And uh, that's always been sort of Call of Duty's milieu uh, uh, and not something that Battlefield's excelled in. So this is the line that really uh, made me s uh, sit up and take notice for the first time in years. You can safely start a battlefield game by venturing into the campaign. Um, so, so talk to me first about. I, I want to talk about that from two perspectives. One, uh, for, just sort of mechanically, what have they done to make the single player campaign feel like a sort of substantial standalone thing? Uh, so, it's interesting because from a very basic foundation, it is the same mechanics. Like you move the same way. The guns have a similar sort of battlefield feel. There's still bullet drop. Uh, they've lifted the the sneaking and uh, target marking system from Battlefield Hardline, which is one of the good things about that game, uh, that it had a pretty well-developed stealth system for a first-person shooter that uh, it allowed you to mark targets in a way that made traversing environments and sort of navigating around fights instead of starting them uh, a viable option. How on God's green earth do they justify target marking in World War One? I? I mean, it, you it just sort of like memory, points. like you just see that, like, is it the narrative? Yeah, just like, I guess so. He's just really good at remembering where people are. You know, it's a video game. So what do sure, you want to do? Right, uh, right. But you go up to points like there are points that are very clear scouting points and you everybody has binoculars. So you can hold down the binocular button and sort of like scope out the areas where you'll be going. Uh, and that's sort of the other thing is that uh, Battlefield 1 removes this sort of hallway conceit that dominated Battlefield 3 and Battlefield 4 in their attempts to be that sort of very linear roller coaster ride for play spaces that are much bigger uh, with a lot of sort of options and opportunity for the ways that you handle those things and accomplish your objectives. And so uh, just being able to move around uh, to be able to explore these spaces uh, and for them to feel like convincing spaces, both in that, as with uh, a lot of previous Battlefield games, more so, actually, uh, environments are largely destructible, so buildings can be brought down. But also, almost every building and house that you see in, in parts of the game can be explored. Like, you can open doors and walk around in buildings and cut through buildings uh to get from point a to point b or use them as sort of areas to break pursuit uh and that's interesting like there is these spaces in battlefield one's campaign uh specifically with the stuff on foot 
they feel like spaces that you're navigating as opposed to a hallway with pretty stuff on either side that you're walking through. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to elaborate on that further, uh, there's a lot more vehicle and stuff than there has been in previous Battlefield games. Uh, and stuff that just feels like it's folding in things that have always been good and flexible about multiplayer into the campaign. Uh, there was a lot of hesitation, I think, when this game was first announced. Um, uh, this is a war that took such a huge toll, uh, on an entire generation. And I think especially in Europe, um, there was, there was a, a, a sort of pushback when this game was first announced that it was, um, sort of a, a tasteless move to set a game there. How well does, um, Battlefield One deal with being sensitive to that. I, I think that it's interesting that that there's that perspective that for some reason World War One is tasteless, whereas a game set in Afghanistan or Iraq isn't. Uh, but I do think that there was a lot of understandable sensitivity based on the human cost and just the awfulness of World War One. Um, and I touch on this in the review, and I think that it's something that the game is not scared about addressing and it doesn't shy away from that there was a terrible human cost to world war one that was sort of underlined and exacerbated by a lot of technical advances that people were just barely keeping up with like the sort of invention of small scale automatic weapons uh of things like flamethrowers of gas warfare of just all these new novel ways of killing lots and lots of people um, led to a lot of standstills and really horrific body counts over time. Uh, and it was an exhausting, draining war that uh, that I think doesn't make for good stories of of feel-good triumph the way that you sort of expect from your shooters. Like even World War II shooters, World War II was a campaign with some pretty fundamental victories on the part of the Allies because you always play as the Allies in a World War II game. Uh, but the lines in world war one were blurry. There were a lot of competing interests. There weren't easy quote, good guys. And I think that it would be right to have skepticism that a video game from dice or any other shooter developer would be able to navigate that well. And somehow they, they really managed to thread that needle. Uh, and first off, they start it with an introduction, a prologue that I don't want to spoil if you haven't played it, but they have a prologue that very effectively establishes how nightmarish uh, World War One was and doesn't sugarcoat it and doesn't instill you with a sense that this is going to be a rousing sort of heroic epic battle uh, in the way that you might expect in a Call of Duty game. Um, and the campaign instead just focuses on characters, on these people that are stuck in these situations that just want to survive. Um, and the triumphs that they, that they have are always sort of weighted down by this bittersweet sort of melancholy behind them because there is very little triumph to be had in world war one. And even missions that are successful where objectives are completed and there's a sense that you manage to do something are often followed by disclaimers that, Ultimately, it was for nothing that that the theater didn't shift because of that battle. The things actually got worse that these people were taken advantage of by the people they thought were their allies. And 
for that sense of honesty and humanity uh, to be in a game like this was really surprising to me and that the production values are extremely high and the writing is good and the performances are good uh, amount to something that is really unexpected in a war game. And I'm not totally sure that a game set in a modern theater would have the sort of stones to do that kind of thing justice that they would have the balls, pardon the expression to have an enemy that doesn't feel like a monster. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel, feel, feel is a, is a Twitter user who asked a question along these lines who said, I've seen other reviewers talk about a tonal disconnect between campaign and multiplayer. Was that something you noticed? I, I think that it's the same sort of tonal difference between uh, campaign and multiplayer in any game that isn't just like a straight up hell yeah, I'm going to shoot everything and feel really good about it kind of game. Um, I think that the there's a new mode in multiplayer called Operations, which sort of sets the stage by explaining these historical campaigns and the two armies uh, fighting uh, for control and explains to you what the stakes were uh, and win or lose tell you how important that win or loss would have been to the war, uh, which mm. I think is is a lot more context than a lot of games give you. But as far as tonal, tonal disconnect, I don't think any more than, say, Battlefield Vietnam had. Uh, I think that war is generally considered to be an awful thing, and we play lots of multiplayer games that are sort of predicated in war. And we just accept that disconnect. Um, Here's another question, and this may be a little bit too in the weeds, but um, uh, it comes from at Daily Bug on Twitter who says, the new Conquest scoring seems to decide games very early. Can you turn around a multiplayer game? In my experience, uh, teams that play together and get somewhat behind can still catch up. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of the way the tickets tick down. And I think, I don't think the conquest system scoring system is new. I think that it rolls back changes made in battlefield four, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, but basically the experience I had playing multiplayer, uh, at an event at, uh, dice's LA office about a week and a half ago bore out that teams that get behind can come back. Uh, if a game is really, really lopsided, then it will end more quickly and a losing team won't have to sit there and be losing for another 10 or 15 minutes before the game is over. So it feels like a net positive in that there's still the mechanic for a comeback, but if you're losing, you don't have to spend quite as long just getting the crap kicked out of you. You don't have to abandon a game because you're waiting for it to be over. Um, the, how the, There was some concern, I think, from a lot of people uh, w- when the, the setting for this was announced that in an age where we're so accustomed to not just like modern, but near future uh, equipment in first person shooters. Um, how do, how do the, the developers make battlefield one weaponry and the, the weaponry of world war one feel sort of still vital and fun and fresh? I think it, it feels vital because it establishes its own context um, that the weapons are balanced against each other, as opposed to against this idea of, progression and sort of awesome future weaponry um i think that i was surprised by how familiar weapons felt like they're not the same things that you've seen in battlefield 3 and 4 but 
from a handling perspective and from a sort of utility perspective, I think players will be able to find analogs of the kind of stuff that they want and want to use uh, without much trouble. And, and I think that that sort of undermines the historic accuracy of Battlefield 1. There are a lot of automatic weapons in Battlefield 1, and I don't know that that's actually historically accurate in any particular way, but it does make for a game that is more familiar. And I think that the, the easiest comparison that I would make, uh, between battlefields, uh, and battlefield one is 1942 or 1943, where there's lots Mm. of bolt action weapons, but still a good amount of automatic weapons. It's just not quite as extreme as battlefield three and four and hardline are. Uh, but on the other hand, you've got a lot of vehicles. Uh, there's stuff like mortars that can be deployed. So there are lots of interesting offensive options. Uh, here's another listener question that comes to us from Luke, uh, who asks, with the Battlefield 1 campaign taking an anthology approach, do you see a potential for more single player in future DLC? Uh, I hope so, because I was, I gotta be honest, one of the things that was most exciting about the Battlefield 1 reveal that a lot of people talked about was that a lot of imagery focused on the Harlem Hellfighters, um, Mm -hmm. and and that seemed like a really interesting story to explore, and with the way that Battlefield 1 explores its other stories, it seems like something they could have done and explored in an interesting, uh, pretty sophisticated way, but they're not in the game. Um, there's a moment where you play as one, but it's, it's very, very brief. It's like two or three minutes of that. And it's, it's almost insulting that you, there's, there's a mission where you're sneaking through German lines to no man's land to try to, to try to get to the British lines. And you hear German soldiers talking about the Harlem Hellfighters and how terrifying they are, but you just never play as them other Mm. than that brief snippet. And it seems and I and I don't say this in the review because I hate this phrase because it usually means nothing. But in this context, I think it means everything. It seems like a mass, a massive missed opportunity not to explore something that queerly Dice thought was interesting enough to sell their game. Uh, I think Battlefield One has a Harlem Hellfighter on its cover, um, and in a you game look- where there's a, a woman character in one of the war stories, which is a great sort of evolution for Battlefield for it to still lack. Uh, a sort of black lead in a series of stories seems like a missed opportunity. Want to hear my crazy theory? Listen to this. Battlefield Bat Company 3. God, that would be amazing. Featuring the Harlem Hellfighters. Yeah. Think about it. Makes sense. Do the math. Connect the dots. It's I, all there. All the clues are there. Arthur. To to answer the question, I guess, I, I would love to see campaign DLC for Battlefield uh, 1. I don't know that we will. Uh, campaign stuff is really expensive to make like it's really really expensive to make and multiplayer content is not comparatively speaking as expensive to make so um it it strikes me as unlikely that we would get more story content it would be basically unprecedented i don't think i've ever played a battlefield game that had story dlc Uh, do you think that the 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 sort of fresh setting is a tactical advantage when uh stacked up against the rest of the uh first person shooter multiplayer competition this season like what's the what's the rest of the field look like uh i mean it's kind of interesting because there this year in particular there aren't really competing modern shooters um gears of war is a future thing and it's third person uh 
Titanfall is a future thing with robots. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare is a future thing with robots. Uh, and that's that's basically it. Like there's not I, there's Modern Warfare remastered with mm. Infinite Warfare, and I and that's probably to everyone else's benefit that they don't have to compete with that because it's still you know it's Modern Warfare. Uh, yeah. But I I think that it allows a cleanse of the palate from a lot of the baggage that Battlefield has developed over time, and I think that the sort of obsession that dice and ea have had in antagonizing and chasing call of duty has done the series a disservice over time and i think moving the game sort of backwards in that respect freed dice up to make something that feels better suited to what the series is good at Hmm. uh we have uh, a a final question here uh from a user who's sort of more looking forward, uh, Jarvdog at Jarvdog says, where does DICE go next? We head back to World War II, Bad Company Air Games with Vietnam. What's the future of Battlefield? Uh, I don't think you have any particular insight into this, Arthur, but uh, what, what if you had to take a wild guess? I mean, I saw that question, and, and the first thing that came to mind is, God, they just went to a new spot. I The game isn't even out yet. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that there's... It's it's a weird sort of balancing act between visiting theaters of war that haven't been explored before and handing handling those delicately enough not to offend. Um, and I think that that's that's a valid concern. I think I think that the criticism and and discomfort for Battlefield going to World War One was a valid observation, uh, and it and it does it well, but. I mean, they've done World War II games. They've done modern era games. They did one future game. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that as far as I'm concerned, the suggestion you literally just made about the Harlem Hellfighters starring in a Bad Company 3 would be one of the greatest things to ever happen to Battlefield. Uh, I I just don't know. It does raise the question. I mean, they've just reinvented the wheel. Are they going to want to go and reinvent it again next year? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, it, or or two years from now, I guess, if we have, you know, different studios working on different stuff. But I, I think something cool and story based would be a nice thing to see. Uh, I think Bad Company 3, whether that's the Harlem Hellfighters or revisiting the characters from Bad Company 2 would be great. And this is sort of the first time I played a Battlefield game made by DICE since Bad Company 2 that makes me feel like maybe they could do that and do it well again. Mm -hmm. Because Battlefield 3 and 4 certainly didn't leave me with any faith in DICE's ability to construct a shooter campaign worth a damn. Mm -hmm. Arthur, thank you so much for your time. I sure appreciate it. And uh, uh, anything else you want to say about Battlefield 1 before we sign off? Uh, It's a very, very good game, and it's definitely... A surprise. I was not expecting Battlefield 1 to be the game that it is, and I'm very pleasantly surprised by it. Uh, folks, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we have a ton more waiting for you at Polygon.com, so go check all of that out right now. But uh, uh, until next week, my name is Justin McRoy. For Arthur Geese, thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.